0: Have you ever had that experience, I mean, sort of like Elaine's, where what you thought was happening, in fact, wasn't? I mean, you thought you were just gonna enjoy the popsicle in the family room, but then you ended up playing a game of popsicle hide and seek? Well, one of those days for me, I remember was early on in my time at seminary. I mean, it was in that opening week, that week where you're trying to find all your classes, you're assembling all of your books, you're figuring out which way is which, you're meeting new people in a new place. I mean, there's a lot of pressure of friendships and navigating the newness of the space. And I remember walking into the cafeteria and looking at the menu because I was starving. Now I've been a vegetarian for 15 years or since I was 15 years old. So I'm really used to scanning a menu and figuring out the two things I can eat and the one salad that I can eat if they take off the chicken. And so I was scanning the menu and I realized that there were two things that I could eat. And I had already eaten the falafel sandwich a few times that week. So I opted to go with the second one, which was a mushroom veggie burger. So I am received my burger, and I go and sit alone at a table. I mean, I'm still trying to meet new people. It's not happening that fast. And the moment happens when I take a bite of the burger, when I realize that what I thought was happening was, in fact, not happening. Because the burger that I thought was made of mushrooms or was, in fact, a mushroom, was in fact a beef burger that had mushrooms on top. Yeah, ooh. And the way I had found that out was not through careful inspection of the product in front of me, nor careful reading of the sign that I looked back on just to double check. The way I found out was that taste of fatty beef that I hadn't tasted in a very long time. Now I became a vegetarian at 15, not because of some medical condition in which if I ate meat, bad things would happen, but because of the ethics of animal consumptions and the environmental impact. And yet there I was having taken my first bite and I was stuck in a real quandary. I mean, what should I do? I mean, if I return it, if I went up and clarified my mistake, I know they would refund my money and they would offer me that falafel sandwich again, but that that burger would go in the trash. Boundaries are simply distinctions. What's yours? What's mine? What's right? What's wrong? What's ours to hold and do together, often clumsily? Brene Brown says that boundaries are simply what is okay and what is not okay. And while that seems really clear, right? I mean, boundaries are simply what is okay and what is not okay. My experience of life's complexity is that it is rarely black and white. We are caught up in a complex and interdependent world where our actions or inactions impact other people in expected and unexpected ways what is okay and what is my responsibility often finds its answers in shades of gray rather than black and white certainty. So I sat there staring at the plate. I knew that nothing I could do in that moment could prevent that patty from ending up on my plate. There was no going back. And while I was a vegetarian and not an omnivore, I, com- I contemplated the impact of throwing it away of the landfill, but also the challenge to my personal identity. I mean, who was I if I ate this burger? But I also was like, well, if I ate it, I haven't eaten meat in a really long time, so it's probably going to be uncomfortable. But aren't I in some way honoring the sacrifice this animal made to you know make use of this mistake that was mine? I mean, isn't it my responsibility that I wasn't reading carefully enough or asking the right questions to consider. And so I hummed and hawed and I sat there looking at it and I decided that the right course of action was in fact to eat it. And so I did. And I can't say I enjoyed it. I can't say that it was a good experience. It really wasn't. I do feel like it was maybe the right decision But it was one of those right decisions that sort of leaves you with an upset stomach afterwards. I mean, it feels right, but also it leaves you a little unsettled, if you get what I mean. Boundaries are simply distinctions. What's yours to do and what's mine? What's right and what's wrong? And what's ours to do together often clumsily. Now I'm going to invite some audience participation here. I'm going to look over at my Zoom screens. And if you feel you are good at boundaries all of the time, can you just give a wave to your camera? I'm just going to look over. I'm going to scan through. So far my first screen. Oh, one person's like waving a little bit. Other people. Okay. What about like some of the time? I mean, you're good at boundaries some of the time and, and not all the time, but some of the times. OK, some more hands are popping up. I would love to hear from you in the chat. Where do you find boundaries most challenging to hold? Where in your life is it most challenging to hold boundaries? Because often, I think for some of us, we can be incredibly boundaried in one area of our lives, and it can be more difficult in others. So I'd be curious to hear with family, with self-care, with immediate family, with direct requests from others, right? Someone's turning to you and say, "Hey, can you do this?" Relationships that are the hardest with myself, my kids, my husband, with our relationships, when there are emotions involved, right? With adult children, when it interferes with fun. Oh, when my boundary might hurt someone else's feelings, with our past partners when my partner is struggling boundaries are challenging they're challenging for all of us so if you are sitting here saying i'm really struggling with boundaries know that you are not alone you can see in the chat that people are with you saying it's hard for me too I mean, maybe you're right now in a relationship with someone of a different political affiliation than yours. I mean, you love them and you know them to be a decent person, but their politics sort of abhor you and you don't know how to reconcile that of what you should do and say when you disagree. Or maybe you're struggling with how to be in relationship with someone who struggles with mental illness or substance I mean, how can you love yourself without exposing yourself to cycles of abuse or terror? Where is the line between helping and enabling? What can you do to make recovery easier knowing that it is not your responsibility and that it is, in fact, theirs? Maybe you're in a relationship and you've been hurt over and over again and the other person can't or won't take responsibility for their actions, but you love them and so you're struggling with knowing what does love call me to do? What are the boundaries that are right for me here? So many of us struggle with our boundaries. We're afraid of what people will do if we ask for what we need. And we're afraid we won't be able to give others what they feel like they need if they were to ask. We don't know how to find the right boundaries and relationships, to find that place of humility, that taking of not no space, but the right amount of space, not only for ourselves, but for other people. And we often or sometimes use boundaries as a way of avoiding taking responsibility for what is ours to do, holding boundaries to prevent ourselves from experiencing pain or for living in that interdependent way in which other people depend on us, which is, in fact, a human way. We use boundaries to cut off connection and struggle because it feels too too much. I want to say here that there shouldn't be judgment for our struggle with boundaries because it is a human thing to struggle with. We all struggle. So if you are sitting here feeling bad about your struggle with boundaries, the ones that are too high, the ones that are too low, I want you to hear in this community that we struggle with this too. And that it is our work together to be compassionate with ourselves, knowing that this is hard. It is hard work, especially in the times of COVID. I mean, how many of us have had struggles with friends or family members who differently interpret what safety means or what social distancing means? Or how many among us find it easy to hold the boundaries of only meeting with people masked and outside when the weather is nice, but when it starts to be winter and the loneliness begins to creep in, it's a lot harder to hold those same boundaries under pressure. COVID shows us that the boundaries we keep or don't, they don't simply impact us, but they have this profound and magnified impact on not only our neighbors and our nations, but also that our social location often dictates what boundaries we are able to keep and not. That privilege is in fact something that gives us the capacity to have more control over our boundaries. I mean, I can work from home. I don't need to do my job interacting with many, many members of the public, putting myself at risk. That is a privilege and it is a boundary that I can keep more easily. Boundaries are the way we manage living in the messy middle between independence and dependence. In between me and you, our ideals and reality, our capacity and our desire. Boundaries form this protective barrier around ourselves, defining what lines we will not cross, setting requirements for how others treat us, And boundaries are necessary because we do need other people to survive and thrive. We need each other. And boundaries help us figure out what that togetherness looks like. Navigating that complex, not straightforward reality of what it means to need each other. Need each other and yet togetherness is its own sort of pain. It's not easy for us to exist in this togetherness. Often our expectations of others go unfulfilled. We let others down, others let us down. There are moments in time that leave a lasting trauma upon us that whispers danger each time we get too close. Togetherness is painful because it means realizing that we can't control anyone but ourselves. Togetherness means coming to terms with that it is not easy or simple to stand apart from others. It is not simple or easy to know where I begin and you start. Often those of us who struggle with boundaries struggle in one of two ways. Some of us take too much responsibility for the emotions and actions of other people. If you're one of those people that struggles because you want to make people happy, which I saw in some of those comments that maybe this is your place of struggle. And then there are those who expect others to take too much responsibility for our emotions and actions. We can be inconsiderate, neglectful, abusive abusing the power of our relationships for our own gain. Boundaries are simply the practice that gives structure to our relating, to facilitate, to make easier, the pain, trauma, and confusion of the reality of our togetherness in this life. They are an act of compassion because they invite a way of being together that is characterized by respect, love, accountability, and integrity. Social worker and storyteller, Brene Brown, says that her question as it relates to boundaries is, what boundaries need to be in place for you to remain in your integrity and make the most generous assumption about other people? What boundaries need to be in place For you to remain in your integrity and make the most generous assumption of other people. For you are not expected to keep being hurt by other people or to stay in relationships that are toxic or harmful. Respecting the worth and dignity of other people does not mean people act without accountability. Other people's feelings are not your responsibility. Your integrity matters. My integrity matters. And you are not responsible for making the world right, nor are you responsible for other people's thoughts or actions, but you are responsible for what you bring into this world. Boundaries are merely distinctions. What's yours? What's mine? What's right? what's wrong and what's ours to do together, often clumsily. For when we take responsibility for other people's thoughts and actions, it actually takes away their growth process that is their own and is needed. Henry Cloud writes that perfecting protecting people from the consequences of their bad behavior actually enables that behavior because it, force, it doesn't allow them to learn from those mistakes, to hear the impact of their actions. That enforcing a boundary can mean not protecting someone from the consequences of their own actions. It is the ability to to say, not my circus, not my monkeys. And yet, this is a challenge, right? I mean, I am not you, and you are not me. And yet, there is something called together that we are. It is hard to discern where you start and I end, because in so many ways, we have these experiences of a greater we, this togetherness that these boundaries necessitate. Because in togetherness, we experience the fluidity of our existence that breaks down this simple binary between you and me. It's a fluidity that confounds the normative narratives of our independence and relationships as transactional because we experience the porousness of our beings. It's not right or wrong, good or bad, it is simply is. It is the fluidness of the we that is a family, the we that is a sports team or work team, the we of a local community, the we of a nation, the we of being a part of all that is. This togetherness, this we challenges us because it reminds us that we are not simply here for ourselves. It means that integrity comes not simply from living, only from ourselves. As black healing justice visionary and practitioner Prentice Hemphill writes, boundaries are evidence of our interconnection, not a denial they are an important skill for just relationships because both trauma and oppression obscures and mistakes the capacity of our the true capacity of ourselves and the other boundaries invite us to consider the type of living that is not codependent nor independent but rather interdependent that honors the integrity of each part of the relationship as it also honors the greater tapestry that all of those parts build together. When I was in college, I got to know a guy whose name wasn't Richard, but I'm gonna call him Richard. Richard was part of a program called Circles of Support and Accountability. He was our core member. Now, a core member was someone who in the past had been incarcerated for uh, crimes of a sexual nature. And the core member in this program of circles of support and accountability was surrounded by a village of people for support and accountability. We would meet with him in his home. We would share meals, we would talk to him about his treatment plan, we would make sure he got to appointments, we would share jokes, we would go for walks. Now, it's maybe the opposite of what most people imagine for what society should do for former sex offenders, especially those who offend against children. It is our impulse much of the time that we think that the boundaries that we should maintain for the protection of our community would mean disconnection of the person who had caused the harm. Boundaries are often seen as a no, but behind every compassionate boundary is a deep and life affirming yes. The goal, the yes, of circles of support and accountability was found in their two two foundational statements of their integrity, which is no more victims and no one is disposable. No more victims and no one is disposable. For the theory behind circles of support and accountability is that those who have offended are less likely to re-offend if they are caught in a fabric of relationships of care and support. That shunning, that depriving of basic human needs of connection and friendship, or support navigating life after incarceration would not be in the best interests of not only this person's flourishing, but also we know that people offend when they have these things lacking in their lives. That the boundary choice was not a all or nothing, a prison or free for all, disconnection or community, consequences or accountability. That as Aisha Shahada Simmons would say, we can have love and accountability at the same time. Because behind every compassionate no, is a deep and life-affirming and even more challenging yes. It is a yes to the integrity that encompasses our own integrity. Like the yes that is found in the whispers of Mary Oliver's words, you do not need to be good. You do not need to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body loves what it loves. Integrity reminds us that we must not pour all that we have out from our cup for the good of other people, and yet, there are yeses that we make at the core of our lives that include a greater integrity than simply ourselves. This is an integrity, this yes at the heart of our lives that goes beyond ourselves. It would be too seductive if we said that integrity is just about ourselves right too seductive it would always feel hollow if we said it would feel hollow in the ways that put your own oxygen mask on before assisting another would feel vapid if we just said put on your own oxygen mask for togetherness has its own integrity like the integrity of a body made up of cells all with their own walls each having its own integrity but also contributing to the integrity of something larger this is why so many of the resources you read on boundaries focus on the technical parts of how to say no and this is the problem they say first figure out your boundaries second rehearse that conversation third have the conversation fourth stick to the conversation but they miss the biggest step, the most important step, which is to say, first, discern what is worthy. What is the yes that you are saying, whether it is the worth of yourself or your responsibility towards another person. The purpose of a wall that protects a castle is not simply to prevent movement, but is to protect that which is worthy that lies within its confines. And in the middle of our lives, tough love comes knocking and placing a challenging yes at the center of our lives a yes to our own and our collective integrity it is a boundary that will protect that cannot protect us from the pain of life but will allow you to live without our that soul-destroying pain of being outside of our integrity now I had to leave the Circle of Support and Accountability program when one of my friends told me of his own sexual abuse as a child. It was too hard for me to hold those two places, my connection with Richard, my friendship with my friend as I had just heard it. It wasn't fair for me to put on my stuff on this core member. So I had to leave. And that was the right choice for me because that wasn't his responsibility. That was mine to work through myself. It was the challenging yes at the heart of my life was to say that I was allowed the space to process that, that I didn't need to be responsible for his, for Richard's life, even though I wanted to be a part of that greater integrity. It is a balancing act that we do together. Boundaries don't need to be all or nothing. They can change and evolve over time. They are not one size fits all. But the question that keeps being asked is how can I remain in my integrity? How can I contribute to the integrity of the whole? Amen and blessed be.